Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Those of you who are gathered in-house and those of you who are online, if this is your first time here or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. My name is David, and I'll be your guide for the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, Before I get rolling, though, I want to make sure that um, I make one quick announcement. Um, We have a discipleship course that's coming up starting this week. Uh, Originally, that was planned for Thursday evening. Um, through a Rubik's Cube of time, people, and s- available space, we are switching now to Wednesday, 6.30. So we went from Thursday to Wednesday. If you have any questions about that, come grab me afterwards and I'll fill you in on all the details. There's still plenty of room in that class. Um, would love to have you if you're interested in learning how to be a disciple in a distracted world because you're not distracted at all, are you? Yes, I know you are, because I know that I am too, and it it happens. So keep that in mind. That will start Wednesday the 12th, 6.30 at Thrive Space. Come grab me afterwards if you have any questions about it. I hope you can make it. At the beginning of every year, um, I try to take a little bit of time to reflect, kind of like the video was saying, um, but also to think ahead and to dream with God just a little bit. And I, I got to be honest, that's a term that I've slowly gotten to be comfortable with over time. <clears throat> kind of this dreaming with God thing sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? It's like I'm dreaming with God. I don't, you know. And yet, I I do understand um, what it means. And and I and I, I try to do this every year. And the whole point is that I think that when you start your year off dreaming with God, the bottom line is you're with God. Do you understand? There's a presence factor here, and that sets the tone for the rest rest of, of the year. And I think it sets the tone for our discipleship because that's what church is all about, is discipleship. It's about helping us find and follow Jesus and to find and follow Jesus better. And, and I think that we want to set that kind of tone. And, and this is the time of year where a lot of us are thinking about things like change, resolutions, right? Those things that, you know, as we turn the, the, the calendar over to a new year, eh, there might be some things that I want to leave behind in, in the last year and pick up some new things in the new year, of course. And so what I wanted to start with is just to remind you of kind of what our discipleship model is. When we talk about um, being a follower of Jesus, it kind of relies on this triangle. That there's me and there's God at the bottom of the triangle and there's, there's life. And the question is, how are you pursuing life in, in general? because I think all of us, we really want life to be better. And this is the reason why we do things like New Year's resolutions, why we want to pursue pursue changes. And and typically, that takes a couple of forms, right? Um, We want to eliminate something negative, right? We want to lose weight. We want to quit smoking, whatever it happens to be. Or you want to gain something positive. You want to get healthy. You You want to start exercising. Whatever it happens to be for you, there is this idea that we want life to be better, and so we um, engage in certain activities, typically at the beginning of the year, um, to eliminate negative and to gain something positive. And if you really think about it, though, it's climbing up the left side of the triangle. You're trying to kind of do it on your own. Now, the success rate, you know, 
your mileage may vary. Um, but the vast majority of people typically stop doing whatever their New Year's resolution is by, say, March. I give mine all up for Lent, so it works for me, right? But what happens, I think, is that when we, we fail to continue to live up to um, whatever that resolution was, it becomes almost kind of cliche, doesn't it? And we all kind of laugh and joke. Why? Because we've all been there. It's common experience for all of us. And so I want to <coughs> kind of shift gears and I want to change the focus a little bit. And we're going to come back to this triangle and you'll, you'll see in just a little bit. And, and I want to return to a familiar scripture passage to see if we can get some help with life change, but not just, not just temporary, but something real. Real life change. Uh, something that's long-lasting. And so I want to invite you to Philippians chapter 3. Um, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you want to flip over there. Philippians chapter 3 in the New Testament. Paul is writing to a church that he helped um, found in Philippi. <clears throat> one of the major cities in what is modern day Turkey, but um, then it was part of the Roman Empire. Great trade city, vibrant church with a long history. And, he, and this, uh, this uh, uh, letter is often called the letter of joy because Paul uses the word rejoice and joy, you know, lots of, uh, of times. Um, but I want to pick up in chapter 3 something very specific. And a lot of you have heard this before, but I, I think it's good to repeat. We're going to begin in verse 10. And Paul writes to this church, he says, I, he's not talking about anybody else, he's talking about himself, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, <laughs> that sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? You know, we're talking about death and suffering, yay, sign me up, no, what I think is happening here, and this struck me the other day, is I think Paul is just being realistic. Because if you haven't noticed, life is suffering. Now that's not all it is, but there's a lot of it. And if it's not happening to, happening to you, it's happening to somebody you know. And if it's not happening to somebody you know right now, guess what? It probably will. Because that's part of living in a fallen and broken world that nobody comes out unaffected by. And so he's just dealing with that. Look, if there's going to be suffering, then I want to become more like him so that there's something at the end, the resurrection from the dead. Does this make sense? It's a really powerful statement. He's dealing with reality. He's not being negative. He's not being pessimistic. He's dealing with reality. And I think, for, for me, this is the starting point of all discipleship. I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know about him, although I do. I don't want to just be able to open a book and understand where everything is. I actually want to know him as a person, to know Christ. That's the starting point of discipleship. It's not just knowing about him. It's actually knowing him as a person, and it's becoming like him. Does that make sense? This is a big deal. <clears throat> if we can't agree on the basis of discipleship, uh, we've got to be careful about what our conversation looks like going forward. So, next verse, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ 
Jesus took hold of me. And I think this is another aspect to this. He's like, look, the suffering's not done. I've not, I don't know Christ like I would I would like to. I've not attained that. There's still more for me. And I love the truth of this because even Paul, Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, that guy, he's the one who's saying, I'm not there yet. That's just the reality of it. And I don't care if you've been in church all your life, you have another step to take with Jesus. Everybody does. I don't care how holy you are or how holy you think you are. You still have another step to take with Jesus. Every person does. And that's ultimately, I think, what Paul is, is, is pressing here. Um, he's saying to all of us is, look, there's more. Hang in there. Keep pressing on. That's what he's doing as well. <clears throat> now, verse uh, 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in in Christ Jesus. Now there's a couple things I want you to notice here. And the first thing is that he says, forgetting what is behind. This is key to all of it. Because I think we all need to be aware of how our past often holds us back. There are things that you have done that you are not proud of. I know this because you're a human being. There are things that have happened to you that you would really rather forget. I know this because you are a human being. And that's part of the human condition. That's dealing, again, with with reality. But here's the the thrust of what Paul is ultimately saying to us here, is that you are more than your past experiences. That's not all of who you are. That doesn't necessarily define you. Does it shape you? Of course it does. You cannot be the person that you are had you not experienced some of that, even if it is suffering. But the point is, that's not all you are. And he's suggesting that. And so you may have to let go. You may have to forgive. But there is something more. There is something better for you. So don't let past hold you back. At the same time, um, he's, he's, he's not just talking about things in the past, he's actually looking at, ahead into the future. He says, um, straining toward what is ahead, he presses on toward the goal to win the prize. And you know what, it's really easy to kind of get lost and to lose sight of the finish line. But one of the things that that we believe as Christians is that this life, as messy and as problematic as it is, is going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We're moving on through time and space, and we're doing this because we're going somewhere. And there is a prize at the end of it. There is something worth pursuing. The life that you have is going somewhere. I think it's really important that we remember that. I mean, I just, I lose sight of it too. Because you know what? There's bills to pay. There's kids and dogs and kittens to feed in my house. Some of you are laughing because you know what that means. Uh, there 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 are things that we have to do. There are 
responsibilities and it's it's easy to to get lost in the weeds and to forget that all of this is moving somewhere it's going somewhere but the other thing i want you to notice here and i think this is is the most important part of this is he says but one thing i do but one thing i do one thing not three things not 15 things one one thing i do And I think this is the key to understanding all of this. In recent years, um, this idea of one thing has become a rather popular idea. It's um, it's actually about focus. um, Because (laughs) the vast majority of us cannot multitask. In fact, I think there's been um, a couple of studies done that nobody really can. There are some people who are better at faking it than others, though. I'm just going to leave that one out there. Um, I know that I can't multitask. I'm really bad at it. So I don't try anymore. Um, I'm getting to the point where I'm too old to pretend. I can't do it. But it really is about focus. In fact, there's a a book. It's actually called The One Thing. Um, It's written by um, uh, a couple of guys who run a rather large uh, real estate agency. And and in this book, they posed this question. They said, what is one thing you can do that would make everything else either easier or unnecessary? I really like that question. Largely because I like easier, and I really hate doing unnecessary things. But what happens is that sometimes, again, we get lost in all of the stuff that we need to do and we lose sight of what the focus is. And what this book is, is uh, uh, asserting, ultimately, is that if you can just focus on the one important thing, the rest of it tends to fall together, which is really interesting because Christians supposedly have known this for 2,000 years. I'm not so sure we're good at it. But you can see the importance of it all. What one thing makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? I think it's a great question. It's a useful book, by the way. But maybe we need to kind of go back here. Maybe we need to, to take a look. Perhaps, perhaps God has an idea about what that one thing might be. And if you're taking discipleship seriously, maybe there's one thing in your discipleship that God wants to highlight and point out to you and teach you about or challenge you with. I don't know what it is, but the point that I'm trying to make here is if there is one thing, and Paul seems to think so, maybe God has an idea about it. And if that's the case, maybe we ought to check in with him. Does that make sense? I mean, it seems like a simple idea, and yet how many of us kind of just try to climb up the left side of the triangle rather than going to God first and just saying, hey, Lord, what, what's going on here? What, what is it that you want to deal with? And, and I'll tell you, it's an exciting adventure. Um, sometimes it's more exciting than others, but it's still one of those things. And, and if we're supposed to know Christ Perhaps he'll show you what that one thing really could be. And so today I want to offer um, 
a way of knowing Christ and focusing on that one thing. I do this every year because I think it's that important. And so I, I provided a little sheet. Um, how many of you need one? Does anybody need one? How many of you want one that didn't get one earlier? Okay. Uh, we have them for you if you want that. And the idea here is that if you want to take some notes on what we're going to talk about, that's great. And then you can tuck it in your journal and uh, leave, you know, keep it as a reminder or as a reference piece as you go out uh, go throughout your year. <clears throat> so let me just offer this quick methodology, okay? So first step, and you can fill in the backside now, is that uh, you want to select a theme. And what I've done is I've created a little list of prompts. It is not exhaustive, but it's just a place um, to get you started. And let me, let me tell you how you select a theme. Um, I, you know, I don't know how you want to write this down, it's up to you. But <clears throat> you have the, that list of prompts, those possibilities. The first thing that you probably ought to do is pray. <laughs> Just say, hey God, um, I'd like to do this. Is there anything you want to work on? And then after you've prayed and asked you know, the Spirit for the Spirit's help, um, read through the list. Just read through it. Here's what typically happens. One of those words is going to jump out at you. You may know why. You may not know why. Some of you who have done this before, um, you already have your theme for the year. You, you know what it is. Um, I got mine back in October. It was actually quite surprising. Uh, but I was like, oh, there's my theme for the year. Cool. But look through it and see which one jumps out at you. Now, I need to put a word of caution here for those of you who haven't done this before. This is really important. In my experience, the Holy Spirit will highlight one, two, and on rare occasion, three possible themes, three words, okay? Because some of you are looking at that list and you're going, oh my gosh, I gotta work on all of these. That's not from God, okay? The enemy wants to overwhelm you, make you think that you have to work on all of those things, but you don't. So if you're looking at them and you're going, oh my gosh, there's 15 on here, then you go back to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, out of those 15 that I clearly need to work on, which one do you want to work on? And then read through that list again. And typically speaking, one, two, on rare occasion, three will rise to the surface. It happens almost every single time. Normally, one of them will jump out at you. And again, you may know why, you may not know why. It's okay. There's a reason why that word is jumping out at you. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, that's not from God. One, two, on rare occasion, three. Now, when you have that word that you think that, that God is highlighting for you, you need to write it down somewhere. Even if it's on a three-by-five card or a sticky note. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. It's not real until you write it down. Write it down. Okay? And then you probably ought to define it. If you have a journal, this is a great exercise. Find the word, write it down, and define it. Literally, go to the dictionary. 
And if you don't have a dictionary in your home, guess what? You have the sum total of all human knowledge in the palm of your hand. You can look it up online. There's dictionary.com. There's oxfordenglish.com, et cetera, et cetera. Define it. And then my other suggestion when you're trying to define that word is to actually go to a thesaurus. Remember those from elementary school? A thesaurus and try to find other words like it. Synonyms. And what you're doing here is that you're creating what we call a semantic field. So you have the word, and then you may have other words that are kind of like it, but typically what happens is that's when God begins to crystallize what it is that he's trying to work on. Because the word that jumps out at you may not actually be the word, but it's related to the one, because God's just trying to get your attention. And that's, that's okay. God's talking to you. That's exciting. So define it. And, and then describe it, try to create that semantic field. And then here's, here's a real novel idea. Go look it up in the Bible. Because you might actually find that word or that idea somewhere in the scriptures. And if that's not something that you can find, like I got this word, I have no idea where to find this in the Bible. That's cool. Ask somebody. I'd, be, I'd love to do that. <clears throat> That'd be fun. But see what the Bible has to say about that particular word. And remember, you're not trying to actually work on anything right now. What you're trying to do is just understand what it is that God's up to. So, select that theme. Get to know your theme. Find different ways of of doing that. And you might be able to think of of more. That's just some ideas. Um, But start there. And here's the beautiful part. If you don't get to it this week, You got the list. You can pick it up next week. That's fine. It's up to you. This is for you. Secondly, um, after you select a theme, you want to build some routines. And I I have to say that this is the main reason most people fall off the wagon when it comes to this. And I'll be honest, this is where where I failed more times than I can count. I've been probably doing that. I first uh, uh, got this teaching from a pastor uh, of mine probably 25 years ago. And I've been trying to do this pretty consistently for for that period of time and there have been years where I've just kind of fallen off and it's usually because um, I go through and try to understand the word and then I just don't build any routine I don't build any way of trying to keep it in front of me and that's really what we're trying to do keep that theme in front of you so your best friend at this point is a sticky note take the sticky note put it on the dashboard of your car put it on your computer at work put it in your journal Put it, um, you know, on the microwave, whatever happens to be. Some of you have heard me say this a bazillion times, but seriously, grab a dry erase marker and write it on your bathroom mirror so that when you're out of the shower and everything's all steamy, you're going to see it. It's a real easy way of doing it. But the idea is to keep that theme in front of you. God has a reason why he highlighted it, and you're going to want to take a look at that thing daily and to check in with him. God, what are we doing today with this? You know, my theme is healing. God, how, how are we going to deal with healing today? Whatever it happens to be. You, you've got your own word. But you want to you keep that in front of you, and you want to continue to pray and to journal about how God wants to integrate that idea, that concept, that theme into your life. And it's not, it's not a quick process. You're, you're not going to be able to do this in two weeks and be done with it. There's, there's more to it. And by the way, hmm, 
This is the thing. How many times have we been praying and we hear God speak to us and we're so excited that God speaks to us that we, we just kind of leave it alone and, and we're like, woo, God spoke to me. And God's still waiting at the table going, whoa, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got more. There's second and third questions always about these things. So if you feel like God is helping you to integrate, man, there are so many more questions that you can ask him. And he wants to have that dialogue with you. I absolutely believe that. Trying to integrate this into, into your life. So select a theme, build routines. Here's the other one. Form a team. Now here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> Who do you know that can encourage you in integrating your theme? Who do you know that can do that? Ask them. Ask them to encourage you. Okay? The problem rests not just with not keeping it in front of you, but also that you try to do it by yourself. God never asks you to do anything by, by yourself when it comes to discipleship. Now, you may have to make some decisions on your own, and there may be seasons where you have to do things by yourself, but for, for the majority of the time, there's a reason why we call the church the body. And every single person needs somebody else from time to time. And you know what? I don't know about you. In this world, most of us could use an encourager. Am I right? Yeah. We need somebody to encourage us. Um, your life group might be a great place uh, to do that as well. Um, what I like to do often is to ask somebody to pray for me about my theme. Now, <clears throat> this is where it gets a little dicey. Um, but this is important to remember. If you're going to ask somebody to pray for you, the best thing you can do is to give them a time frame. Because um, if you ask me to pray for you, uh, and the expectation is that I'm going to pray for, for you, you know, now to the end of the year, uh, that there, there's a good chance that life is going to get in the way, and I'm going to forget. Okay? Everybody's like this. So what I typically try to do is I try to give somebody a time frame. And, and so what I'll do is like, hey, you know what? I've got this theme that I'm working on um, for this year. And uh, this week, would you mind just this week praying for me once? Because most people will say, yeah, I'll do that. And, and they'll follow up on it. But if you just do this kind of generic, hey, will you pray for me? without explaining kind of the expectation of it, what's going to happen is they're going to forget to do it and then they're going to feel guilty about it. And that's not the important thing. The important thing is to be encouraged in prayer. So sometimes people will ask me, hey, can you pray for me about such and such? And I'll just stop right there because I know me and I may forget. I don't want to forget Praying for you is too important for me to forget, so let's just do it right there on the spot. Now, I get it. Not everybody's comfortable praying at the drop. Of, that's cool. That, that's just how I'm wired. Um, you may not be wired that way, but if you're asking someone to join you in this as an encourager in prayer, just say, hey, just this, this next week, could you pray for me once? You'll be surprised at the response. And, and I've often said this uh, to people. I'm like, man, just, you know, just ask me. 
Um, very few people have actually taken me up on that. That's okay. So if you're looking for an in- encourager, find somebody that you know that will pray and just say, hey, this is, this is my theme. Would you pray for me once this week? I would really appreciate it. Here's the other side to that, though. If someone asks you to pray for them about their theme, say yes. Watch what happens. It's an amazing thing, first of all, to be entrusted with the request. And then it's something else to sit and priest for someone else. When you sit in the presence of God on behalf of another person, that's what we call priesting. And when you do that, God loves it. And when he begins to show up, you get to participate in the joy of seeing something integrated into the discipleship of another human being. Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. I love when the little light bulb goes on over your head. You all have light bulbs over your head, by the way. Boop, boop, boop. I love when that happens. That's fun. So build a team around this. You want to you select the theme, you want to build some routines, and then you want to form a team around it. Um, I, some of you know that uh, Lisa and I, we have a, a friend up in Wisconsin. Her name is Heather, and she's one of these uh, true prayer warriors. I, I rarely have met a person who, who will drill down so deeply for long periods of time. In fact, we have to be careful that we don't overwhelm her with prayer requests because of the way she prays. But I love it when she does, because a week later, she'll send a text going, okay, I've been praying about this for a week now, what's happened? <laughs> oh, hence why we asked them to pray one time. You know, because you, you may come across to Heather, who's she gonna pray until you tell her to quit? That's just kind of the way she is. And, and the, the beautiful you know, part of that is it's so encouraging knowing that somebody's praying for you about this. That it's not just important to God, but it's important to the other disciples around you. Okay, so select a theme, build routines, form a team. Watch the time. Uh, this one is, is uh, important because sometimes we, we use this, this term, hey, we got a theme for the year. Why? Because we started it in, in January, right? And we got this theme for the year. But you know what? It could be longer or it could be shorter. God might be trying to integrate something into your life that takes a little bit more time or maybe it's something that he needs to do short term to build you up for something else. Do you see? But God's in control of that. He's got the idea. He's got the one thing and he wants to integrate that and so we're going to trust him. It might even take a couple of years. Uh, I had one theme that I think lasted two or three years. Every year I'd come back to it and I'm like, okay, I'm not necessarily getting anything else. I think this is my same, same theme. But here's the, the, here's the issue. It doesn't matter because it's about, about God's one thing. And there's a reason why he chose that for you and why he wants to work on that. <clears throat> and the object here is to know Christ. And so what I've noticed is there, there tends to be this kind of um, growth when it comes to, comes to your theme, and it will, it will kind of peak, and then it will begin to wane. But usually what happens is there's another theme that will pick up. And so you kind of have this wave thing that goes on. And you'll, you'll see this uh, over time. And sometimes the two themes will, will relate to each other. Sometimes they won't. You won't see it, but you trust God and that he knows why he's trying to build that into your life. 
if that makes some sense. So watch the time. Don't think that this is done on December 31st. It may not be. By July 1, you might be done with it, and something else comes up. And, and typically, if you're spending time in the presence of God, you'll know. You'll, you'll figure that, that part out. Now, look, there are plenty of discipleship tools out, out there. There's lots of them. Um, hey, by the way, come to the discipleship class on Wednesday nights. We'll teach you some more. Uh, it's like Doritos. We'll make more. We've got all kinds of ways of doing this. Um, but he, but here's, a, here's, a, here's the thing that I want you to, to think about. This is just one. And if you don't choose this one, that's fine. But choose something. This is your, your relationship with God. Do something. Take the opportunity at the beginning of the year to say, you know what? God, I want to do something with you this year. I want to be in your presence. Um, I want to, to, to be available for other people. Lord, I, you know, there's an adventure here, Lord, that I want to go on with you. But do something. So if you don't choose this one, fine. Which one are you going to choose? Pick one and you know, try to s- stick with it. And, and here's the other thing that I think is really important. Um, because I've done this enough now that even if you've tried before and you fell off the wagon, get back on. Get back on. God doesn't sit there with his arms folded and, and shake his head when you fall off the wagon. He doesn't. He's just waiting for you to get back on again. Now, you may, you may have to actually climb onto a moving wagon, and that's, that's, that's a challenge to do. But the point is, is that, that God doesn't run out of patience, even if you do. He's more interested in being in relationship with you than anything else. You might even be scared um, to l- read through that list. Not that you're going to have an, a list the length of your arm. You might be afraid that nothing jumps out at you. I've, I've seen that happen from time to time as well. It will, eventually, but it might take time. The sacrifice that you have to make is to keep asking. What are you willing to sacrifice? Maybe a little bit of time? Maybe a little bit of energy? Over the last three years, I've been doing a, an exercise um, just trying to understand the types of things that I value. Um, it's a core values exercise. And it's taken me almost three years to come up with something. I don't know why. Actually, I do now, but I didn't at the time. It's not fun. However, it's very beneficial. Same thing here. If you're afraid that one of those words isn't going to jump out at you, that's okay. It will. It just may take you a little bit longer, and that's okay. Don't give up. And that's why you have encouragers. You know, maybe the question is, hey, I've got this theme, and I want you to pray for me about it. Maybe you can say, hey, I'm having a hard time coming up with a theme for this year. Would you mind praying for me over that? Oh, my gosh. That's a fun prayer. That's a fun prayer. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep chasing after that presence of God and see what happens.
And finally, my last little bit of advice here. Don't let shame keep you from knowing Christ. Shame is a monster. I don't know, I've been um, doing this kind of work for, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. And I would say that the single greatest um, threat to your discipleship, at least in my experience, is shame. Guilt is when you have remorse for something that you've done. Shame is when you're remorseful, remorseful for who you are. It will eat you up from the inside out. And we want to break shame. And shame will keep you from your one thing. And so my prayer for you is that even if you're afraid that you're going to have too many, or if you're afraid that you're not going to be able to find one, you're afraid that you're going to fall off the wagon, that that shame wouldn't keep you from pursuing presence of God allowing him to talk to you speak things into you so that you can hear him let's pray God it's the beginning of a new year what I'm most thankful for is that you are still on the throne God I'm grateful that not only are you on the throne, but that you're interested in us. That you have things that you want to build into our lives. And, and the best part is, because you made us, you know us the best, and you know exactly what it is that we need. And so my prayer is for every person who chooses to follow you in this exercise or another one, that you would speak to them clearly, that you would speak right to their heart, that you would highlight that thing that they need and that they probably really want even if they don't know it. But God, that you would just highlight that word, that idea, that phrase, or you would provide them with something else. If there's a different word or a phrase, Lord, that it would be ultimately from you, that there would be no confusion about it, there would be clarity. And that, Lord, over the next few days, the next few weeks, you would find ways to speak into that thing, that idea, that theme, so that each person has more confidence. That they, they can rest in the idea that you've got them. That there's a reason why that thing needs to be integrated. That theme needs to be a part of their discipleship. And that would give them great confidence, great faith, and it would give them hope. And Lord, I speak in the name of Jesus that if there is shame that is clouding over any of this, you would break it right now. And you would tear off the shackles of guilt and shame and remorse. And people would be free to hear your voice and to follow you this way. 
And Lord, I pray that the body would be the body and that we would see and we would talk to people openly and honestly about the things of discipleship, the things that'll make us more like Jesus and that we can encourage one another in a very real way, very pragmatically with our words and with our prayers and that you would strengthen all of us because we are strengthening each other and that your Holy Spirit would would rest on every person here and at the same time become that spring that just comes from the inside bubbles up and out of our, our lives out of the words we say and out of the relationships we have it's a new year Lord it's a year that you've given us and so at least for the next few moments we want to just kind of give it back to you and say okay God what, what is it that you want to do this year speak to us And as we sing the song, I simply say, come, Holy Spirit. Everybody said.